As you know, I occasionally invite uh, a guest to, to preach to us, uh, usually an older guest, like 2,000 years or so. It's not Peter this time, but I'll, I'll give you a, uh, you, can, you can be guessing um, who it might be. So, let me just get him. <clears throat> Hello. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hi, everybody. Oh, it got nice. Yeah, people are looking at me. That's, that's nice. Because people are either staring at me when I'm, until I look at them, and then they're not looking at me. People are usually, sometimes people see, usually I'm just pretty much invisible. You know, I, I've been in this spot for 40 years. 40 years, everybody knows I'm here. Everybody knows to avert their eyes when they walk by this spot because, oh, yeah, that's where he is. Um, so a little glance. Okay, the kids, you know, they don't know how to be polite, so they, they see me. Uh, they ask questions, and uh, their parents, shh, 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 I'll tell you later. Uh, what do they tell them? I don't know. What would I tell them? I've been here for 40 years. I never walked. I never moved. Uh, my family is generous to me. They bring me here. I got a few people who see me, and uh, we got this exchange going. You know, they, uh, they see me. I see them. They give me a little money. They feel better before they go into the temple. They're like, oh, no, I'm a good person because I gave a little money to the poor guy. Yeah, we got this exchange going. You know, you, know, you have people like that in your life, too, who you, you know, just have some kind of exchange with, right? Just kind of an economic exchange or a little bit like, uh, oh, you're, bless you, bless you, because you, you know. So that's, that's it. I, uh, they thank you. I bless them before they go into the temple. They feel good about it. I have something to eat for the day. That's kind of my life. That's how it works. Um, I've uh, heard there's, you know, you know, miracle cures and this and that. And I, I, you know, God is whatever, but I haven't seen. I even heard about this guy, uh, Yeshua, I guess his name is, uh, which I guess means Yahweh saves. Well, yeah, Yahweh saves some people. Um, but uh, so uh, anyway, uh, I heard, I, I don't think I've ever seen him. I don't know. One time there was this big, huge crowd that came by here, and I, I you know, I tried to see what was going on, but I didn't, I didn't see nothing. Um, and I, there's a lot of been a lot of hubbub around here lately, but not a whole lot going on around here. It's pretty much same old, same old. Uh, yeah, and then one day, somebody saw me. I saw them first. A couple of guys coming up. I thought, ah, maybe. These guys look kind of nice. They, they might notice me. They might not look away. So I was going, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And they looked at me. In fact, they really looked at me. They, they didn't stare they didn't look away. They actually looked at me. They actually saw me. They really saw me. And they said, look at us. And I was like, yeah, I'm looking at you. Um, and then I said, so, some, some money for the poor? And they said, we don't have any money. We don't have any silver or gold or anything. I'm like, oh. Great. <laughs> See ya. They said, what we do have, we'll give you. And then the guy grabs me by the hand and yanks me up. I've never been up. And then 
my, like my feet and ankles just like went together and then like strengthened on my knees. That never, I've never used my knees. And I was standing. And I was hanging on to them and I was like, whoa, what? And then they, they brought me with them into the temple and I was like, woo, 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 woo. Oh, praise God, praise God. Yahweh, they praise God. Yahweh is actually in this temple. And I was walking. I was praising God. I was leaping. I was jumping. I'd never done that before. In fact, you might even heard of me before, even if you don't know my name. Actually, I was written about in the Old Testament, sort of. Isaiah said, when Yahweh comes as king, the lame are going to leap for joy. He said that, and that happened to me. That, like it could happen to all of our people is what he's prophesying, that, could, that it could happen to all of us. The rose of bloom in the desert, and we could all see the king, Yahweh as king. But, you know, never, nobody ever actually saw me before. They were always too... Proud, I guess. Because um, they, you know, they had an agenda they had to get to. They had, even these guys, I guess they were on the way to prayer meeting and they, they got interrupted. And they stopped. And they didn't make it to their meeting and they saw me. I know another reason why people don't see me. See, in my culture, people know that your outside is a mirror of your inside. So they know that if you have weak ankles and weak legs, it means you got a weak moral character, that you, there's something weak about you. You're not really manly. You're, you're uh, morally suspect. Um, so people look at me, they don't look at me because they got pride. Because they got important things to do. They don't have time to mess with me. They, they're better than me. Not just outside, but inside, they're somehow better than me. And then people don't look at me because they don't want to be bothered. They don't want to spend any money on me. They don't want to spend any time on me. And it's just easier if they don't see me. And then there's also people are afraid. Because see, people don't want to know that they could be weak. They could face sickness or death even. They want to pretend, oh, no, no, the world's good, the world's good. Everything's fine, everything's good. Lots of people like that. They're afraid to see how bad the world really is, how things really bad can happen. So they just don't see us. Us. Side people, marginal people, poor people, disabled people, whether that's mentally disabled, socially not so cool, whatever it is, they just don't want to see us. We can't do anything for them anyways, except maybe feel them a little better. Oh, you're, you're, you're a nice person. You gave something to the poor. But these people, they saw me. And then I knew that Yahweh saw me. I thought I was invisible to him, sitting right outside the temple, never really able to go in. But I thought I 
he couldn't see me, but he saw me. You think he sees you? Some of you are going, oh yeah. Some of you are going, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, he, he sees you. Do, you. do you see him? That's another good question, huh? Uh, so anyway, I'm, I want to show you that this is for real. I, could, I, I didn't just make this up. This is actually, it, it's even recorded by, by a real historian that this really happened. Now, some of you are going to say, no, 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 that doesn't happen. People who have been lame for 40 years stay that way. Yeah. Sure. That's true. Almost all the time. You wouldn't call it a miracle if it happened every day, right? This is a miracle. Because God made your legs. And God made my legs. And he remade my legs. But here's the thing. A lot of people gave me charity just to get through to the next day. But God gave me Justice. He saw my need. He changed my situation. He gave me what I really need. He saw who I was, and he saved me. He saved me from everything. He saved me from my sickness. He saved me from my sin. He saved me from my ostracism. He saved me and brought me into his community. He saved me because Yeshua, that means Yahweh saves I guess you know more as Jesus, but yeah, he is the one who saves. Whether you translate that as healing or, or salvation or whatever, um, he gets you out of stuff. You know, okay, so I'm going to let you read it here because uh, I want to show you that it really happened. Who do you see? When you see me down there, who do you see? Maybe your culture is different. You don't think of people differently who are differently abled somehow. But in our culture, people knew. So this is the year for healing. Yeah, it was my year for healing. It was my time for opportunity. That, that beautiful gate was my gate for opportunity. And it was a time for new relationships with all of the people that I was part of now. Because... This is what happened. So let's read it from the text, all right? We've had an introduction. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth, we later year learned 40 years, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Maybe that's a wordplay on the opportunity in Greek, the hour of opportunity where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Whose authority was that in? In the name of authority, the power of Jesus Christ. 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement of what had happened to him. Nobody at the time disputed this was a miracle. Even the leaders who didn't want it to be, we'll see later, said this is a miracle. This was not a second-guessing, maybe psychosomatic, maybe it's faith healing, like you just wanted it to happen and it maybe happened. No, no, this was a miracle. Jesus did a similar thing. guy would have been 38 years. Now his sent ones were doing the same things. Like he said, you will do what I do, and even more, even greater things you will do. So, take the Bibles out in front of you. I didn't put the whole thing on the, on the prayer thing uh, because, I mean, up on the screen because that gets uh, tedious. Um, so, when they realized he was that they were filled with wonder and amazement and what had happened to him. So, this is like Acts 2, where something amazing happens, then Peter gives an explanation, and then there's a result of what happens from that explanation. So now Peter saw his opportunity. You notice I'm picking up on the word saw because it's repeated here. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, what is so surprising about this? Ah, uh, well, it is surprising. <laughs> And why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Notice the staring comes up. He says, why are you staring at us? This isn't about us. We didn't do this. We didn't save. The word is sozo. So sozo means to deliver or rescue someone out of something, of a terrible situation of being lame, of drowning, of whatever. But often in, in the New Testament, it's used figuratively of saving someone out of the consequences of a fallen sin. Um, so save, we often translate it different ways because obviously here it means that he can walk again. But it's salvation for him. Why stare at us as though we made this man do this? Have you ever noticed that as soon as God uses somebody for something, people look at the person who got used, and there's a real temptation for both those who are looking and those who are looked at to say, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about my power or godliness, or connection, or faith, or word, or something. We live in a celebrity culture where we want to make people into something, right? And so uh, we haven't seen this happen right here, right now. So I heard that it happened in Florida. Let me go to Florida and see it happen. Let me go to Africa. I hear that's where it's really happening. Let me go someplace where, where God is, where that person is. Who can do this stuff? This wasn't about that person. He says, this is about Jesus. 
Yeshua, Yahweh who saves, the only one who saves. For it is, and you notice he keeps saying, he keeps talking about God. He says, for it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our answers, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. By the way, we're in Acts 3, verse 13. You can pull that Bible out from in front of you. It's, I'm using New Living Translation. That's an NIV, or pull it off your phone. Um, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to who? His servant, Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is God's servant. Oh, yeah, Isaiah talked about the servant who's going to come, the suffering servant. That, that servant is Jesus. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him. Hey, the Romans wanted to release him. But you wanted him killed. You rejected this holy, righteous, just one. And instead demanded the release of a murderer. You said the innocent should go free. The guilty should go free and the innocent should be killed. Peter isn't exactly mincing words with his audience, is he? I mean, this just happened, right? I don't know how many days ago, 50 plus days ago this, this happened. Um, but he, is, he says, you killed the author of life. You killed the author of life? How is it possible to kill the author of life? And many people still can't believe that's possible. Muslims can't believe it's possible that God could be defeated. That God could die. That God would let his prophet die. It, it didn't happen. Because it's inconceivable for Muslims. And for many people. Either he wasn't the author of life, or he didn't really die. or some. But G, Peter says, you killed the author of life. And notice, too, what he's saying about who Jesus is. He's saying Jesus is the creator. He's not just a prophet, not just a servant, but he's the creator of all life. Big claim. Beyond what they expected even for their Messiah. He said, you killed the author of life, but God. But God raised him from the dead. So you did this. You can notice this contrast. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. It is a fact. People, Jesus was resurrected. There are 500 witnesses. There are people who touched him, held him, saw him, ate with him. He was resurrected. Jesus is the resurrected one. The author of life was killed and raised again. Now, this is Peter's message all the time. He's a witness to Jesus who was resurrected. If you want to know what Peter preaches, he preaches Jesus. Always. Jesus. His ministry, his miracles, his death, and his resurrection. 
we need to keep reminding ourselves that Jesus has faced death and been resurrected. Because there's a lot of things that are dead and facing death. And we're facing death. Of course, we're not pretending we, we are, but we're all facing death. People around us are facing death. We need to know that Jesus is the resurrected one, the author of life, back to life. And he's, Peter's a witness. And we, he says, get to be witnesses as well because we get to share the witness of the witnesses, right? Peter goes on, verse 16. Through faith in the name of Jesus, so what words are repeated here? Well, see, saw, looked, stared. See is repeated a whole bunch of times. And the name of Jesus. Because it wants to be clear that this is the name of Jesus. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. So these guys are now witnesses of, yeah, we saw him for 40 years, and now he's leaping. We are witnesses. We don't know what we're witnessing. And he's saying, Jesus did it. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Again, the emphasis on seeing. You see what you see? You see Jesus at work. Remember, we're saying, what is Jesus doing? That's our question. That's what Luke is telling us, is what is Jesus doing after he ascends to the Father. Well, he's still healing. He's healing through his sent ones. Now, just a little clarification. Faith in the name of Jesus doesn't mean I believe in a magic word. Now, some people do feel that way. Okay? Um, I've, there's a lot of of yelling, screaming the name of Jesus as if it's a magic word. Um, Tanzania, people, get out in the name of Jesus. And the louder you say, of course, it'll be, you know, and if we, if we say that name really loud or, or maybe if we have a crucifix, or we, some, there are no magic formulas. And also, it's not your faith that has to be big enough. Great faith is not the point. It's faith in Jesus. And the name of Jesus means in Jesus' power, in Jesus' authority, in the name of. So if Cherry writes a check around here for Bethel Christian Fellowship, it goes. Because she's signing it for Bethel Christian Fellowship. She has been authorized by all of you to sign checks for our money to go do things. You following me? But she can't sign my checkbook because that checkbook has to be signed in the name of Steve Rasmussen. Well, not Janice Rasmussen. She can sign things. Take it out of that. But are you following me? The name of Jesus is not a magic word. It's Jesus' power and authority. 
And it seems like it was the apostles' trust that Jesus would do this that enabled it to happen. Are you following me? And great faith is not the point. Okay? So if I have great faith in this duel, my faith is only as good as the stool is. Fortunately, the stool is pretty good. Except how do I get down? I'm not quite sure about that. But um, great faith in a solid thing is okay. Great faith in thin ice is dumb. Okay? So, faith in the name of Jesus. Friends, he goes on. Peter says, verse 17, Friends, I realize that you and your leaders did to Jesus, what you did, realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. So you did it in ignorance, but God knew exactly what he was doing. He told it way ahead of time, through all of his prophets, that the Messiah was going to have to suffer. So he puts this all out there and he says, now. Now. What do you need to do? Repent of your sins. Turn away from your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. The ink they used on papyrus didn't stick. It didn't have acid in it. You could wipe it away like a blackboard, like a whiteboard. So all of your sins can be wiped away. Is that amazing? That's amazing. That's incredible that our sins can be wiped away. Then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Are you keeping track of who Jesus is? He's a servant. He's a suffering servant. He's a Messiah. He's a healer. We, we probably missed some there. He is a Savior. He's the Holy and Righteous One, the author of life. For Jesus must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. So Jesus is coming back with all that authority, and he's going to restore all things. This creation is messed up. Lame people weren't in the original creation. This is just a foretaste of the restoration that Jesus is going to do when he comes back. For he must... Okay, verse 22. Moses, now he calls up the prophets and says how the scriptures have foretold. This is, this is typical Peter. Okay? Peter loves to bring in all the scriptures. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Oh, this is an important choice. You don't listen to this prophet. You're not part of God's people anymore. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what's happening today. Like Samuel was the one who pr predicted the Davidic kingship. You are the children of those prophets. And you were included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. 
When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Peter is speaking to his fellow Israelites, and he's saying, you are part of the covenant. Moses, Samuel, all the prophets, and Abraham himself prophesied that this would happen. And you are going to be a blessing first, have your sins wiped away, and then to all the nations. Now, most of us got in on the all na nations part. We were second in line <laughs> in what was happening here. But he offered it first to the Israelites. So who is Jesus? Can I, from what was just said, little review. So the nations are coming into the temple to this new people of God. Who do you see? Do you see Jesus? Who is Jesus? So I want to ask you, who do you see? Do you see the marginalized, the poor, the disabled, the ones who everybody else passes by because they don't really have anything to give me? Or maybe it's we have an economic transaction to do. You wait on my table, I'll leave you a tip. You give me your groceries. We, we, uh, there's a lot of people we don't really see because they're just kind of vending machines or part of the scenery. Or, uh, you know, we just drive through that neighborhood and go, oh, this is one of those neighborhoods. Um, or they don't speak our language, so we kind of pass them by. Do you see those people? Secondly, do you see Jesus? So who is Jesus? Let, tell me who Jesus is from what Peter just said. Look, you, you can review. You got it right in front of you. What does Peter say? Who does Peter say Jesus is? Author of life. Servants. Healer. Prophet, yes. The holy and righteous one, yeah. Messiah. Say that again. One who who sticks closer than a brother, okay? The friend who sticks closer than a brother, yeah. Somebody else? The holy and righteous one. Yes. And he is the one who can save, who can deliver you from the challenges that you are facing. He is the one who sees you. He's the one who gave you life. He's the one who died for you, who was resurrected for you, who made all the promises through all the prophets, and who is offering you an opportunity. Now, there's different ways to see Jesus, right? Peter is nailing these people for how they saw Jesus. You saw him as an interruption. You saw him as an annoyance. You saw him as a competitor. You saw him as somebody who deserved to die. 
you did not see him for who he was. Jesus really sees you. Jesus can really save you. I don't know what your situation is, but you may be feeling like, I don't know. Does anybody know? Does anybody notice? In fact, I can't tell anybody what's really going on. You're watching online. You're like, I don't even want anybody to know I'm watching online. We have an invitation. Peter's saying, look. Look at me. Jesus is looking at you. He is seeing you and he's saying, hey, look in my eyes. See what I see in you. You are seen. And Jesus has died, been raised, and is able to save you out of your situation. And that may be a literal thing, maybe a healing that you need. It may be an economic situation. It may be a relationship situation. It may be a need to have your sins wiped away. Jesus sees you as Jesus is here. We are going to go to communion. I hope you got one of these on your way in. And if you're online, I hope you got some kind of bread and drink to join us. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you see us. That there is no other name by which we can be saved from that which we have. But that you are able, no other authority except yours. Thank you that not only have you made the way, but you have made the promise that you will transform what is happening that you have the power, that you have the love, that you have the insight to change things for us. We pray that now as we celebrate communion, we would remember what you gave, your life, your death, and your resurrection until you come again to put all things and restore all things to the right place. Amen. 1 Corinthians 11. So we're going to take communion now. And uh, if you have kids with you, they're, they're welcome to join us if they are up to their parents. For you, if you have been saved, if Jesus has really gotten a hold of you and you have repented and turned to God, you're welcome to join us. This is a time when we eat together as a family, and we celebrate his salvation of all things, including us. Paul says this, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you for giving Jesus 
on our behalf. Thank you that he is able to save us. Then if you want to peel that first layer off, there's a little bread thing there. A wafer. He said this. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. He gave his body for you because he cared about you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's eat the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine. And he peeled back the little plastic thing. Well, I don't think that's how it went. But um, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this. Drink this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. He's coming again to restore everything. But even now, he is able to save us and give us the foretaste of that restoration. So, Lord, thank you for giving your blood, shedding your blood, author of life. Thank you for giving your life so that we could have life now and forever. Thank you that you are returning to restore everything. Thank you that we can drink now as a taste of that big banquet that we're going to be at. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for washing our sins away. Thank you for sending times of refreshing even now. And thank you for the big time of refreshing and restoration that you're bringing to us. Lord, we are grateful to you. So let's drink together. And will the worship team come? Just, I'm going to, one, one last slide as they're coming. Um, what Peter says in his, uh, he has a very consistent theme in his messages. I'm just trying to summarize some of it for you. Christ's life, death, and resurrection is witnessed to by the prophets and the scriptures. He always talks about how it's the fulfillment of, this, of the scriptures. This is the messianic age. Jesus has come. And therefore, God, based on what Jesus did, can give you his promised forgiveness and his Holy Spirit. If, and that's the condition, Peter always puts in, you repent and you trust, you believe, you have faith in Jesus, that he can do that. And outwardly reflecting that, be baptized, be part of the community, the church, those are the outward things. He says, be baptized and added to their number. But the inward thing is the repenting and trusting. That is an invitation to you. 
you're welcome to do that. Now, maybe you've never done that. We invite you, whether you're online or here, to repent and trust and be baptized. Maybe you've never been sure if Jesus really saw you, but he sees you, and he's opened the door for you. Maybe you're in, but you're not feeling very in. You're not sure if Jesus is really seeing you. And so I'm inviting you to also repent and trust again. Have those sins washed away. Remember that he has washed you away. And then one final thing I want to remember for us is that the apostles, the sent ones, like we are Jesus' sent ones, saw people. James Underwood is a good example for me. Is James up here? Where is he? Um, James sees people. He drives a bus so that he can see people. Pray for them as they get on the bus. He strikes up conversations in the grocery line. He prays for people because he sees who they are. It's easy for me to walk by people and just kind of be on my way. Drive by Snelling and University and not look at the people who have signs up there. Not really notice people. But we have an invitation to really see people. We have an invitation to see each other. Now, you may not feel seen by me all the time or by somebody you were hoping would see you, but we can see each other. But it's more than that. It's not just rushing to prayer so we can be together. It's also seeing the people we pass on the way and not feeling like they're hopeless or less or an interruption or somehow not quite saved like we are or something. Can I invite you to notice people? And then notice what God might do for those people. Just say a prayer and say, God, what do you want to do for them? Bless them. And be open to him saying, yeah, I want to do that through you. Like this. Okay? We have an opportunity to give in benevolence. I like to make that this, this, uh, this month. This Sunday is our benevolence offering. We like to make that a time not just for charity, but a time to uh, transform something. We've been able to do, we did some 50 backpacks for kids in our different congregations, including this one and, uh, and uh, ICF and KCF. We, um, you know, catalytic converter for somebody who got that stolen and some different things that we've, we've had been able to do recently. And uh, I also want you to invite, invite you, if you see a need and you don't have the resources to meet it, um, you know, bring it to us and let us know. And maybe it's a need for silver and gold. Maybe it's a need for healing. Maybe it's a need for salvation. Maybe it's some other need. When somebody looks at you and says, and they have a need, our first calculation is, uh, silver and gold, I don't have. Or, I don't have the resources for that. I don't have the time for that. I don't have the understanding of that. I don't have the 
feeling for that. I don't have the... Peter and John said, well, what I do have, I'll give you. And it wasn't really theirs. They said, you know what, this is what Jesus has. We just happen to know where to go to get what you need. So, would you be open to that this week? Notice, be looking for people who you might otherwise miss. Be looking for Jesus. And then, of course, Jesus said, sometimes when you see those people, you're actually seeing me. So, um, I just want to pray again. Lord, you are such a great God. We are so grateful to you for your noticing us, for your coming to us, for your dying for us, for your saving us in every sense. We are so grateful that you are going to completely restore everything. Thank you that you are the author of life. Thank you for each moment that we receive life from you and strength and health and ability to walk and ability to do many other things. Lord, we are grateful. Help us to be a blessing as well, to see others and see you too. In Jesus' name, amen.